Hello guys and welcome back to Talk Tennis Tea and today, well I have the much awaited podcast which is the aftermath of the US Open and a little bit about the Davis Cup as well. So get your cuppers ready and let's get straight into this tea. Obviously I'm a little bit late, it's like a week after all the dramas happened but I kind of needed some time to collect my thoughts and just really observe what other people were saying. I think that was my big thing to kind of really condense what I was thinking because I had really no opinion on what happened. And obviously, we have to start off by saying a major congratulations to Naomi Osaka. She played amazingly in the women's final. And then we have Novak Djokovic, who also played well. If you guys don't know, he's not my favorite player in the world, but I have to commend him for playing an amazing tournament. He battled some serious heat problems in his earlier stages and a fright from John Millman as well as of some other tough matches so congratulations to him he's definitely back hopefully next year it'll be Andy Murray's turn but I guess we'll see so to the thing you guys want me to talk about the most and I actually did a poll on this because I was like you know what I don't want to do the podcast and talk about the same thing everyone else has been talking about and you guys don't want to hear it so I asked you guys and you still want to hear my opinion on it so here's my thoughts on the whole Serena versus the umpire thing so firstly Serena's two weeks at the slam did not start well the French Open decided that you know what your cat suit was not acceptable we don't like those fashion standards well excuse you French Open that catsuit was used not to showcase her body and be sexualized or anything like that but it was to help her serena nearly died giving birth to her daughter olympia and that catsuit was a compression suit it was supposed to help her ease her way back into the tournament and playing at such a high competitive level it was for health reasons that she had that suit it wasn't just to show off her body yes it was to prove that yeah a woman can come back and do just what a man can do but it was also to help her health as well but the way the french open went about it was absolutely ridiculous and i don't think they can make those standards like i saw a photo of serena in her katsu and there was another lady in history a tennis player as well who wore a white catsuit at Wimbledon so I don't know what they're talking about and if Wimbledon says it's fine then French Open you're not that bougie so come on man so that was the first thing that happened to her secondly she revealed her outfit for that US Open which was a collaboration with Nike and Off-White which I thought was beautiful the navy blue pastely purple what number the 2-2 and the black version of the same thing I absolutely loved it I actually want one for myself I was very much sold and I'm like Serena looks classy she looks like she's going to the royal ballet like she's gonna act like she just looks perfect and it was so great and actually I'm gonna be doing a post just about the fashion choices best dressed I guess on Instagram so make sure you're following me on that to see my thoughts and we might do a couple of fun interesting polls about that but I thought her outfit I loved it like honestly loved it and I want one for myself like off-white Nike please help me understand where I can get one because I need one in my life then at the end of the second week I think that was whenever round three was played Serena had to face her big sister, Venus, which is always a good match. Always tough emotionally for her. And then, side note, Venus's boyfriend went viral. He had a t-shirt saying, I studied Harvard Law. And then at the bottom it said, lol, just kidding. If you guys haven't seen that, it was pretty funny. And I was like, Venus, you have good taste. This man is great. So I approve Venus. But not that you need my approval or anything. But we stand. We like him. 
And then, obviously, finally, at the end of the two weeks, Serena faced umpire Carlos Ramos with the coaching violation, racket warning, and just... And abuse of an umpire, I think that was the next one, that she also was fined for. There were three fines, and it came up to 17000 US dollars, which is honestly absolutely ridiculous. Um, my thoughts on the whole situation is at first I was kind of like, I didn't, it didn't bother me. I was like, you know, but then people started talking and I actually watched the, cause I didn't watch the match and I never saw that. So then I watched the video and I saw what actually happened and I was like, okay, wow, this is, you know, wow. So I thought they're both in the wrong. I'm not like... Serena, I believe the fact that Serena was not accepting the coaching. Like, she was on the other side of the court. Patrick was doing something else. He was frustrated. He was trying to tell her something. Serena obviously was not looking, and I don't think she would ever cheat. Like she said, she'd never cheat. Um, I do feel like Patrick... I, I feel like the rule is unfair. I think I'm more mad at the fact that we still have this rule. And I was watching a Trevor Noah video, and he was talking about it. Like, every other sport gets coaching and I don't feel it's fair that tennis is the only sport that you get a player gets penalized for what their coach is doing there are some coaches and some like in the WTA coaches are allowed to come on and coach why is it that at a grand slam level we still don't have that coming on and coaching like I still don't understand it and I feel like the rule in itself is flawed like it just needs to be changed like there's no reason for them not to be able to coach. I feel like it's good for the player. And sometimes, yes, it can change the course of a match. But isn't that more... Like, wouldn't you... If your player was suffering... Like, let's take the example of Nick Kyrgios. If I was Nick Kyrgios's coach and I could see that he needed a better direction, like, wouldn't you tell him that? You'd want him to know so that he can do better and improve on what he was doing. And, yeah, sometimes... Obviously, sometimes the player doesn't want to. Sometimes that's fair. But, I don't know. I think it's more... I. In my opinion, I'm more mad at the rule. I think both, I think Carlos and Serena, I don't know if they have apologized to Naomi. I think that should happen, and they probably did. I was trying to stay away from tennis because I was just so sick of people who, like, came out of the shadows talking about tennis all of a sudden because it was Serena Williams that was offended by the whole situation. So I was just kind of, like, shut out from the tennis world this week, hence the late upload, but, you know... I'm doing it now, so that's all that counts. But I think, yeah, I also feel like Carlos Ramos, it was just a sad situation. Like, my mom was telling me how he didn't even get an award at the ceremony when the umpires usually credit him. They're given a little something-something. But that I thought that was really sad. And, like, Naomi did not deserve this for her first Grand Slam to be overshadowed by such a drama and just the whole situation. I think it's just sad and it's kind of upsetting. But you know what? Naomi is a strong, independent woman. She's been doing all her interviews. She has been just getting out there and just so many brand endorsements and everything. It's just amazing. I am so happy for you, Naomi. Like, I could not be happier. Like, she's the nicest, loveliest. She's a cinnamon girl. I've described her. If you guys saw my post on Instagram, I just said she's our WTA cinnamon girl cinnamon roll like she is so amazing and I love her and her personality is just shining through and honestly I just wish her all the best and I want her to win more Grand Slam so but yeah I honestly uh, I, uh yeah that drama it was just a thing and I at first I was like I was mad for Serena 
like mad at the umpire but then I was like it's a bit excessive I feel like it was a little bit excessive maybe Patrick I think that the rule needs to be changed I think at the end of this we know the rule should be changed and also there is a double standard how many men's players have you seen receive coaching the umpire not pick it up and say nothing and then verbal warnings how many players yell at themselves how many players swear at umpires and get nothing jack sock for goodness sake hasn't or he has now but before earlier on in the year he did not get any warnings or nothing no point penalties no game penalties all that kind of stuff like nothing so i think it's a double standard and it just means that refereeing needs to be consistent all the referees need to be consistent from the men's to the women's I don't care like it just all needs to be consistent I think we've just realized that the women have a double standard and I'll talk about something else that happened in the women's draw later on that was just not fair because men do it as well and they don't get code violations so I think the rules need to be changed in tennis like we need to evolve in the current situations because it's not fair at the end of the day you can't be penalizing people for changing their shit like Grown, grown men sit there smiling with it, like smiling away shirtless for five minutes while their opponent off the court, not even changing the shirt and people are taking photos of them. One woman changes her shirt in two seconds just because it was backwards and we make a big fuss and it's unsportsmanlike conduct. Like, please, let's, let's not. Like, change the rule so it's fair for everyone and everyone gets marked the same. I think that's what needs to happen and we need to ha- stop having this divide between the women's and men's games. They're all champions. They're all tennis players. Let's all treat them the same. And then I've also seen, coming from this, umpires are starting to boycott Serena's matches. And I don't know how I feel about this. I feel like, yeah, this is a tough one. I don't know how to... Take this. I don't. I. I just think it's petty. Like, come on, you guys are like. Obviously, umpires are not treated to the best. They don't have a lot. Of, they're not given a lot of money. Obviously, they're not on an athlete's salary and all that kind of stuff. But I think at, umpires do need to be treated with a sense of respect. And I feel like players who lash out at them and all that kind of stuff. It's just awful and mean because they're just people as well. But then also, why are you gonna boycott? Like, yeah, I guess for a period of time. But you all can't boycott. Like, come on now. Like, she hasn't done anything to you guys. I understand if Carlos Ramos just takes some time off. Like, 100%. I get that. But for, I understand you guys are banding together. I understand they're banding together. And I feel that's okay for them. But I also feel like, you know, just be professional about it. Like, let's just move on from the situation. And let's just all have the same mindset and values going into matches like this. So, Yeah. Another thing that I want to bring up is I have seen a lot on Instagram and I'm not going to name and shame just because that's just rude and I don't want to put people out there, put them on blast. But okay, we're done with this drama. There's other things in the world that are going on. Let's move on. Let's not hate on a woman who has literally changed the tennis world. She made tennis. She put tennis on the global map. So let's not hate on her and call her rude names because of one incident. And just because you guys have personal opinions does not mean those opinions are related to the fact of what happened in the match. Because some people are taking this into personal matters and that's not okay. Like, what did, did she hurt you personally? Did Was she yelling at you? Like, I just think people 
and Serena, yeah, I get Serena's a bit of a different personality and it's not fair. And Serena has said some things that are contradicting. Fair enough. I'm a massive Serena fan. And yes, I'm going to be biased in this position because I love her and she is an inspiration to me and a lot of other people in this world. But come, like we cannot, and I stress hating, like yes, people will hate and there will be internet trolls. But I just feel like we just need to put ourselves in a higher regard. Like if you dislike someone, yes. Have your fair reasons, but don't hate on them just to hate on them, okay? And this is the last time I talk about this situation ever. So let's move on to the next thing, and that was the heat. The heat was insane for the whole two weeks, and I don't think anyone ever got a break in the matches. But thankfully, the US, I think it was it the USTA or the ATP or whoever finally put in a heat rule for the men. The heat rule stated that after the third or fourth set when the match is tied up or like one one set or two to two sets, they can take a heat break. And it's 10 minutes where you go in the locker rooms, you chill out in the air conditioning, you have a shower, all those kind of things that to just keep yourself cool and not to overheat your body. And it left a few people confused. Andy Murray accused Vadasco of cheating. He said that in that time he was talking to his coach and his trainer and all that stuff and receiving guidance in the match. And Andy lost this match. So I don't know if Andy was speaking out of anger for losing a match or if he was telling the truth. People didn't really take it seriously. It was one of those things that just happened and you just kind of move on because Vadasco is Vadasco. Like, you never know. And then, obviously, in the women's, they've always had this rule but the heat, obviously, when you come back from the heat, change your clothes. And this is what I was talking about. Cornet got penalised. She got a code violation for changing her top just quickly in the middle of a match. Not on the side or anything like that. Like, I don't understand it. And the USTA or the US Open came out with a statement saying women are allowed to change their shirts on the court. But it's just like... You know, it's mm, double standards, and like I said, just let, let's make the rules fair for everyone. I don't think Quine deserved that, and it wasn't fair, so, yeah. Next thing, I feel like the tournament has just been filled with scandals, people accused of cheating, and, like, umpire situations. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. But this this one made me laugh, and this is Muhammad Leilani encouraging Nick and giving him a bit of a pep talk in his round two match where he beat Piers Hubert from France and yeah it's a bit interesting Nick won 19 games out of the 25 since the pep talk since he was given the pep talk and it was not the first time Mohamed Elani had done that before in a match I feel Oh, I don't have an opinion on that. I thought it was sweet of Muhammad, and I didn't understand why people were getting upset about it. Obviously, it's not an umpire's place, and they shouldn't do that. But also, just like when you feel like you know, like Muhammad Lavani is obviously refed, I mean, umpired a lot of Nicholas's matches, and he knows that he can do better than that. And he was just concerned out of the concern. He was he was not trying to help Nick or give him an unfair advantage. It was just genuine concern, and I feel like people blew it out of proportion. And they just started attacking his human character. And it's just like, no. And I feel like that's the one thing that has maybe been like genuinely pissed off. And probably not wanting to do this podcast. Because I feel like I would rant about everything that happened. Is just because how people have taken simple t- things. 
like Muhammad Lilani giving Nick Kyrgios a pep talk, into attacking Muhammad Lilani's personality, into attacking his beliefs, and all those things, and attacking his character, and like making him not seem like a good umpire. Muhammad Lilani is an amazing umpire. He's probably my favorite umpire. And it's honestly insane to think that people can just go around talking, excuse my language, but shit about people and not think it'll come back to hurt them. Like all those people who were talking shit about Serena, talking shit about Muhammad, talking shit about Carlos Ramos and all that kind of stuff, it'll come back to haunt you. And I don't know, like it was just annoying. And obviously people, a lot of people had a lot of stuff to say about this because a lot of players did feel like it was an unfair advantage. If you were Nick's opponent and you saw that happening and then he suddenly picked up, wouldn't you feel like, oh, what did he say? Like, why didn't he come and talk to me? Like, it was just a bit... I do feel like Piers Hubert probably felt like that and fair on to him because it, it wasn't fair, but Nick, obviously, he wasn't tanking, but I don't think he was playing his best and he... I don't know. Nick goes through swings, and we've talked about this. Nick is an up-and-down player, love-hate relationship. Let's move on. But I think the thing that really surprised me was Federer's response to this. Federer is a really... I didn't expect him to say what he said, and he just basically said, like, it wasn't right for Muhammad, and he was very harsh and critical about it. Obviously, people have seen it. I don't need to recite what he said word for word, but I thought it was really harsh, and it was kind of like... Hmm, I didn't take you for that type of a person. I thought you'd be a little bit more, you know, sympathetic to the situation, but obviously not. And then Kyrgios ended up playing Roger Federer and he lost badly. You'd think it was going to be a tighter match, but not even a tie break, which was, I guess for Fed fans, that was good for you. Less stress, but for Nick fans, it wasn't that great for us because we thought it would be a bit tighter competition. But um, yeah, and Roger gave Nick a beating. Like it wasn't, it was, he was teaching him a lesson. So I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but it was just a bit... I kind of was a bit shocked with people's expressions about those types of things. But, you know, everyone has an opinion. Everyone deserves to have an opinion. We'll move on. The next thing that happened that kind of shocked me was Stefanos Tsipas' shock exit. He lost in round two to Daniel Medvedev who, on a side note, recently got married, I think, Thursday? This week? So congratulations to him and his wife. Hope you guys live a prosperous life and you guys are happy and all goes well and all that kind of stuff. But he lost to Daniel. And I was very shocked because Steph had an amazing run at the US Hardcourt series. And kind of, I was kind of weird. I was like, hmm, that's different. Like, interesting for you, but I don't know what to think about this. I feel like I did predict that he was going to burn himself out. I didn't want to say anything because everyone's going to be like, how can you love Stephanos if you think this kind of things?" But it's the facts. We've all seen this happen to how so many people. Before they get to a Grand Slam, they'd play amazing tennis. And then once they reach a Grand Slam, it's like, bloop. They just shut down. Everything just stops. And I feel like Stephanos played as a, like, when he played, I can't remember the final he made. Was it Toronto? Could have been Toronto, but one of the ones where he played Nadal. He played amazing tennis the whole week. And then the next week, it was just, honestly, some of Stephanos' best hardcourt play. Because at the beginning of the year, he played in ASB at Auckland. And then he played in the Australian Open. And I was like... I loved him, but I was like, this boy cannot play hardcore. like, he should just stick to clay and grass. And then he delivered on clay and grass, as well as he delivered at the end of the year on the hardcore. So we're going to see how the Asian swing hardcourts go. 
but otherwise he's done really well and I just want to commend him for that because it's not easy but I feel like there was a lot of stresses going into this match for him he had there was the history of what happened in Miami and if you guys haven't listened to my podcast on the next gen wars I did a podcast especially dedicated to this whole situation in Miami so have a listen to that but they had some history that happened during that match and then Apparently they've made up and they're all goods and Stephanos even congratulated him after the match. I don't know if he congratulated him on his wedding. I don't know. I haven't looked at the Instagram comments yet. But, you know, that's kind of like, that's how the vibe goes. They're friendly but not friendly. And I feel like maybe it was all in Stephanos' head. Like he didn't want to get into a fight. He was just thinking about the last match that they played together. I don't know. But it was something interesting and then they also played I think they played a long match and Stefanos did not know about the heat break that was the one thing that shocked me is when he was in his press conference he said he didn't know about the heat break he didn't know that he could take those 10 minutes and by the time he realized it Daniel was about to come back so it was a bit strange like I'm like are you just using that as an excuse or are you genuinely being like you didn't know but I feel like that's kind of, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. And obviously with the heat break, it was something new and maybe some of the players didn't, like some of the coaches maybe didn't talk to their players about it or it wasn't an option for them or Stephanos just didn't want to use it. I don't know. But that was kind of something that happened. As well as the fact that there was a bit of controversy between him and Nick Kyrgios. I think some of the media just assume Greek boys hang out with Greek boys. And I know that Stephanos is more friends with the Nazi than Nick at all. And that Nick was talking about Stephanos. He wasn't talking, but it was just indirect, subtle, shady tweets that have, like, dissed Stephanos's vlogging and all that kind of stuff. And it's just sad to see because I genuinely think, and I've talked about this, and if you guys don't know, I'm a massive fan of Stephanos since the past. And I love him, and I love what he's doing with the vlogs. And it's just amazing to see someone just be creative and have something, a life outside of tennis. Most of these guys, they don't, or they do, but they don't want to share it with us. And Stephanos is one of the few that wants to be creative and wants to put him, his name out there, not just for what he does as his job, which is tennis, but what his hobby is. And I feel like that's creating all these videos for us to see. And he's putting himself out there. He's being vulnerable. And for someone like Nick, an older guy who should really be like guiding someone, it's just sad to see him shut him down like that. It kind of makes you feel like you're supposed to be helping him. Why are you bullying him and making him feel bad about it? And during during the week when I learned about all this stuff, it was in the US Open. If you guys don't follow me again on Instagram, you may have not seen my rant. I had like a massive three-story rant or something like that about just about this whole alleged bullying of Stefano Tsitsipas in the ATP locker room amongst the yeah, next gen guys because I was reading a lot about it and there was a lot of signs to see that this happened and that he's not really liked and I was like hmm but that's something else and I feel like and it didn't help that Stephanos put out a statement saying that he'd rather be doing making all these videos and stuff than playing Fortnite in his bedroom which he was doing before but now he feels like he has a purpose and I feel like that's very fair he's just grown up and he's a bit more mature and different and obviously not everyone's gonna feel like Stephanos is their cup of tea but I feel like the boys should be respectful to one another so yeah that's all everything about the um US Open and I feel like I just I feel like by the end of the US Open I was just done with it like I like I genuinely and I'm not gonna lie to you guys I keep 100% real here all the tea all the shade and stuff but I do not want to do this podcast I do not want to sit here 
and talk about the US Open and everything that happened because I did not enjoy it. Like, all the other Grand Slams, I thought they were absolutely great and I loved them, but this one, this one was just... It just emotionally drained me to the point where I was just like, you know what, I don't even want to. Like, what? Like, do I really have to? Like, it was just, there was so much stress and just, like, horrible things that happened. And it just, like, yeah, I was just done. By, the like, the time the men's final ended, I was like, you know what, I'm done. I don't want to think about tennis. I don't want to talk about tennis with anyone. Like, if anyone comes to uni and starts talking to me about tennis, we're going to have some problems because I don't, like, I'm, I need, like, a week where I can just collect my thoughts and be like, okay. But speaking of a week, this weekend we do have Davis Cup and I feel like it's so great because Davis Cup is just a different environment. Yes, there's drama, yes, there's suspense and all that stuff, but it's in a different way. It's in a different way and that's what I love about it. So I'm really excited for the Davis Cup. And it, we're playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday and it starts tomorrow. So I'm really excited about that. Or starts tonight actually, latest tonight, which is going to be interesting. So I'm going to be watching some of that. So yeah, I'm so excited about it. I'm just, I just can't wait. I just need non-stressful stuff. And I feel like when players are playing for their country, they're a lot more, they're a lot better and they're just good vibes all around. So it's a lot funner to watch because they're having fun and all that kind of stuff. So Okay, to the Davis Cup. So they're playing this weekend, as you guys know, as I said before. And the teams that are playing in the playoffs, I think I've missed a couple, but the main teams that I saw are Canada versus the Netherlands, Argentina versus Colombia, Great Britain versus Uzbekistan, Switzerland versus Sweden, Serbia versus England, India, India, Serbia versus India, Austria versus Australia, Hungary versus the Czech Republic. Then the semi finals are. France versus Spain, Croatia versus USA. Personally, I'm going to be watching Austria versus Australia. And I will watch France versus Spain because that one looks like a really good one. And it's Benoit first ever time playing in the Davis Cup. So I'm excited to see his debut. And I love Spain. Obviously, Rafa's not going to be there because of his injury. He's taking some time off. And he's also going to be playing Lever. He's not He's not playing Lever Cup, is he? No, he's not. But he's just taking some time off. I assume he's going to be there just supporting. So it'll be good for him. And I just want to see Rafa, to be honest. And I also will watch Croatia and USA. Maybe some of the um, singles matches. Just because Francis TFO is also making his debut. And I feel like it's going to be very interesting to watch. My prediction for the final is Spain versus USA, just because I feel like they do have the stronger team and they have the more, like Spain has a very, they're bringing the best of the best to play. They've got their most experienced players. They have Roberto Batista Agut, Pablo Carreño Busta, Marc Lopez and Valenciano Lopez. That is the team for Spain. And they, those guys literally will hold Spain. And I'm just excited because it's going to be very interesting. I feel like they're the strongest side. And then USA has Francis Tiafo, who played amazingly at the US Open. I feel like it's his time now. Steve Johnson, who's also good. And then they have Brian, Bob, Rob, or Bob, Mike, Mike, Brian, one of the Brian brothers, and Ryan Harrison, who's also good. And those guys are really the the unproblematic Americans. Like, let's be real, they're the unproblematic Americans in the whole side. So I'm rooting for them. I'm 
So I'm rooting for Spain, USA and Australia. The other ones I'm not really interested in. Like Canada potentially could watch that one just because Dennis and Felix are playing in that. But I'm not really bothered by it. I'm not going to go out of my way to watch a match because I feel like they're going to easily win. So, But it's going to be a very interesting weekend and I'm so excited. It's kind of like the like this whole, like I said before, this whole week I was just dreading and like really not putting off, procrastinating about doing this podcast because I was like, I needed a break. But you know what? What actually cheered me up and what actually gave me the literal motivation was if you guys haven't seen on the Davis Cup Twitter account, they posted a video of Mark Pullman's, the Australian. He was initiated into the Davis Cup team and he had to do a initiation ritual, I guess, and he had to perform a song and a dance. And it was pretty funny. So that kind of was like, oh, I can't wait for the Davis Cup because he's not playing, but he is there in the team and he was training with them and just learning about the whole how it goes. And I can't wait for him to play because he's going to be amazing. So that's going to be very exciting, but I just, from that, I was like, okay, Davis Cup is the, like my saving grace from all this mess that has happened in the US Open. So, yeah, speaking of the Davis Cup, I will have a special podcast talking about the whole drama and changing it and how Labor Cup has kind of influence that whole situation and how the monetization and all that people who are not happy people who are happy what some of you guys think I will be posting a couple of polls and questions and DMing some of you guys especially to find out what you guys think about the whole situation if you like it if you don't so look out for that very soon hopefully I'll have that in the next couple of weeks probably after Lava Cup has happened and I've collected my thoughts and all that but yeah, I'm very excited to be doing something like this. It's, um, it's going to be really good because I feel like it's going to be my more structured and more controversial podcast because I feel like a lot of people have talked about it, but they haven't brought up the young perspective. And I feel like a lot of people that I've talked to and a lot of people that I'm friends with have a different perspective to what some of these older people are talking about. Or maybe we have the same. I don't know, we'll find out when I do this podcast, but make sure you guys are stay tuned for that and you guys look out in your subscriptions for that one. But thank you guys for listening, hope you guys enjoyed this, thank you guys for being so patient with me, I did flop you guys around a little bit and I'm sorry for that, next time I will be better. Um, yeah, talking about podcasts for the year, obviously we've got the Davis Cup and Labour Cup one coming up next and then I will do a final wrap up which will be the next gen and that ATP finals. So those would be my last ones and probably the women's WTA finals as well. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed this and I'll catch you on the next one. Hope the couple was amazing too.